And I kind of feel that way about audio engineering as well. When you're involved in the creative process, you have to treat it as an instrument that you're getting to know because it's very much going to change the, the outcome of the piece. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the Focusrite Pro Podcast. This is a mostly bi-monthly show where we dive into the cutting-edge technology behind professional audio products. On this episode, Ted and I are joined by musician, engineer, producer, and the general manager of Audionamics, Ellie McNeil. And we'll discuss building an audio industry career beyond the console, separating stems from master tracks and music from dialogue in film, staying curious to stay relevant, and a whole lot more. Ellie McNeil, welcome to the Focusrite Pro podcast. It's great to have you here. Um, before we get started with anything, um, I was doing some research, looked at your background, and obviously you and I know each other. We go back like 10 years now, which is pretty incredible. It seems like yesterday that you were uh, you were a TA, right? Is that what you were doing at MI when, when I was... I think you finished the, the semester before me and then I started... But uh, doing a bit of research, you know, and by research, I mean, I looked on at LinkedIn before we started talking here. I did not realize that you have a degree in economics. What brought you to work professionally with sound? Yeah, a good question. So I do have a background in economics before coming out to Los Angeles and going to Musicians Institute, where we intertwined uh, first time 10 years ago now. Um, I yeah. did get my degree in economics from the University of Chicago. And basically, I wasn't really um, inspired by a lot of the careers that come after that kind of degree. And I kept trying to make excuses for reasons not to pursue my passion, which has always been to work in the music industry. Mm-hmm. And so I've always been technically minded, love working with computers. My father is an engineer, and uh, it seems like a good fit to come out here and study audio engineering. And I think it's probably a story that a lot of audio engineers have in the early phases. And then as you get to know more about the industry and learn more about audio engineering as a field, you realize that there's all of these subcomponents, and it's a really broad umbrella that covers a whole lot of different work, whether it be post-production, there's the product side of creating the tools that engineers use. There's the music side, which I think is sort of what everyone envisions, you know, sitting behind the large console in these music studios recording rock stars. And that's kind of what gets you going in the beginning. And uh, that's what brought me out here. Loved having the program at MI. And yes, I was lucky enough to get hired on as a TA. That's sort of that first shot. Someone has to give you that first shot, right? Someone's got to take a chance on you. And I'm very grateful that MI um, was doing that. And several of my instructors had my back there. So that's kind of what got me started. Yeah. And I I remember you were always the person that we would go to, like, you know, we had this one group that, you know, you stick together through the entire program and we would always look for you because you always seem to have the answers when we couldn't quite figure out signal flow or couldn't quite get something to work properly. It was always like, where's Ellie? Go find Ellie. And and we would always track you down and you'd always have a good attitude and come help us. So that was, that was great. Yeah. Ted, do you you have kind of a a similar background too, except, you, you know, you were behind those consoles for years and you made some pretty great records. Uh, well, I don't know about that, but yeah, I know I started out too, but, um, as, as mostly a musician, I, yeah, I have a, I have a degree in English literature, uh, you know, so I didn't know that. Yeah, man. So, um, amazing. <laughs> yeah. Good old UMass Amherst. Look at it. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, I always wanted to just make records mostly as a musician. Right. And I was in bands and you know, yeah. So it's a similar kind of thing. You come out here thinking that you're going to, you know, instantly get in the studio and get behind the the board. It took me a long time to get to, to that 
level and, you know, make records and stuff. But uh, I ended up moving into the manufacturing end because product development, I, honestly, I got sick of making other people's music sound better. I just wanted to do my own, you know? And yeah. And when I figured out I could make a, uh, a living in, in the manufacturing end of audio gear and help with, you know, product development and marketing and stuff like that. I just, um, and then, you know, be home at five or six at night, kind of pretty cool Yeah, and still work on my own stuff. So yeah, it was, uh, it was, it's a similar kind of journey. I think a lot of us start with just, you know, love and music and, and that never goes away, but, and then traditionally, uh, or just, um, kind of trans, uh, kind of moving on to other things, you know? So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, Personally, I never thought that I'd be, you know, when I went to music school to be an engineer, I never thought that I would be a marketing manager for a, for a manufacturer. So yeah, it's, you never know where you're going to go on that journey because there's a lot of jobs out there that are, you know, adjacent to audio. And, you know, that's the thing, like, uh, I, it gave me the credibility to be able to talk to people like yourself, Ellie, obviously, and Ted and, uh, you know, all the great people that we get to get on this show. Uh, so yeah, it gives me a little bit of knowledge, but you know, that's, that's why I'm here to ask a lot of questions. So yeah, we all seem to have kind of a, a similar history and background. Um, uh, so Ellie, I know you're a, you're a musician, as you mentioned. Um, and did you mention the instruments that you do play? I play acoustic guitar predominantly and I sing. Those are my two main things, but I I love testing out new pieces of gear. I have a rolly seaboard that I'm enjoying the whole, you know, multi-dimensions of... of I love the idea of that product, but I can't see myself actually loving to play it, but not trying to diss their product because, you know, it might just not be for me, but... Well, yeah. I think a lot of How do you of like these, it so far? Um, I like it. It's definitely in the discovery phase. I think you're right. If you look at it and you think it's going to play like a keyboard, you might be far yeah. off there. Yeah, that, you have to treat it like it's a, a whole new instrument. And I kind of feel that way about audio engineering as well. When you're involved in the creative process, you have to treat it as an instrument that you're getting to know yeah. because it's very much going to change the the outcome of the piece. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. So in pro audio... What type of adversities did you face as a woman in pro audio, as a strong woman in pro audio? Well, I consider myself very fortunate because for the most part, I haven't had any barriers. I think that in my personal experience, I would say it's opened as many doors as it has led me away from them. And I've been very careful. I won't say that there have never been moments where I felt un, you know, uncomfortable or been aware that the first thing that people may see is that I'm a woman first and an engineer second. But whenever I felt that way, I just kind of take note of it. And I and I'm drawn to the opportunities in which I'm a person and an engineer and my skill set is what people are drawn to first. And I've been very, very fortunate that there's wonderful opportunities in this industry for that. So I've never really felt like it's held me back at all. Good. Yeah, yeah no, you're absolutely extremely talented at everything that you do. And yeah, you are, you are an engineer first and you're amazingly brilliant when it comes to products and things like that. Thank you, Dan. Yeah, no, I've, I've learned a lot from you. So <laughs> I, I'm sure that's coming through to the audience at this point. How did you come to work at Audionamics? Now, I know the answer to this question and it's very interesting to me how this all went down because I kind of saw it, but I didn't really realize you were working there until after I was out of MI. I think you were working there and am I at the same time? If That's I'm not right. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So I started off part time and I've actually been part time throughout my tenure with Audionamics at multiple times throughout uh, the past nine years. 
And I started off in mostly the product development section. We were developing our first product, which is Tracks, back in 2014. And I was hired on by one of my former instructors, Rick Silva, who was running the entire Audionamics operation here in the United States at that point. So he saw something in me, wanted to bring me on board. And I started in that small segment at about 18 hours a week, helping launch that product. And then since there have moved in through everything through technical support to being a product manager for the company and then most recently moving into the general management of the team here. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah, it was it's 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 really cool how that all worked out. You know, Rick was one of my teachers at the time as well. I think I had him for the Neve lab. Oh yeah. Do you remember which Neve we had there? I always forget which it was. Oh man. I know. The, I know. This is a real test right here. I know. Um, it was a broadcast console. I remember that. Yep. But it's gone now. Yeah, it's so gone. It, they got rid of it. Yeah. All I remember are those Neve tools, which were the straws. straws that you would fold and put into the buttons so that they would stay down. Yeah. <laughs> the, Ted, you ever had any experience with that? Sounds like a Neve. VR or DFC console or something. I think it's a VR. I think it's a VR. I think, I think VR. It, was a v- it was a VR, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah Ted, we had a box of uh, coffee straws that we kept right there in the little bin area there. Yeah. And you'd, you'd have to fold you'd it in half in. because of the... Yeah, yeah, you'd have. Yeah. Was that a common thing? Is that is yeah, that not just yeah. an MI thing? No, yeah, no, that was a a common fix. <laughs> so it was called the Neve tool. As that's they what say, we, yeah. we all called it <laughs> the Neve tool. Uh, yeah. That's right. That's good. I got to record a, a pretty cool album in that room. You know, when we get lab hours. Um, yeah. So Rick was my teacher for that uh, that lab, and uh, he was off in the uh, in the um, in the ISO booth with his laptop and just he was just kind of checked out <laughs> just, he would get class started. This is what I want you guys to do. I'll be over here if you need me. And there he was just on his laptop, just, you know, working on audio dynamics, which is now I know what that is, but at the point, that point didn't really realize what he was doing, but really cool stuff. Yeah. And yeah, you guys have a lot of really cool products. You kind of um, talked a little bit about that. What's, uh, what's, what's your current product uh, that uh, that's been launched? Yeah. Good question. So at its core, audio dynamics is a technology company. And what we have is this AI technology that tackles source separation, meaning it can unmix an audio source into its components. And we have three branches to the business. One side of it is the B2C products. So under that, we have a music product called Extract Stems, which takes a song and separates it into four stems. That's vocals, drums, bass, and then the remaining music. And then Mm -hmm. on the speech area, so this works for podcasters and also works for re-recording mixers, anybody who's trying to clean up some dialogue, um, we have something called IDC Instant Dialogue Cleaner. And that's a one-knob plugin that works in real time. Those are our consumer products. Then we also have a professional services division. So our professional services division um, uses some of our more advanced algorithms that aren't yet productized and works with them plus some proprietary tools and a bunch of engineering know-how to partner with these projects in the industry here. Most recently, we worked on Blade Runner Live. So um, there's these live orchestra events, which are really cool, where they take films and they perform them live with an orchestra. And in order to do that, you need to remove the score. And so our one of, uh, one of our services that we provide is called music dissociation or music removal, where we go in there and we actually take it from a mixed source. We remove the music so that that orchestra can then accompany the movie. Um, we've also wow, worked on... Wow. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. That must be cool. I'd love to hear that, you know, that final... Yeah, I'd love to hear like Blade Runner without the music. That'd be interesting, <laughs> right? 
Yeah, absolutely. It's it Sorry was really her, really yeah. no, not at all. It's a it was a great project. We're we're super proud of that work. Um, we also worked with Warner Brothers on the Baywatch worldwide re-release that they did last year in t- 2019. Cool. And for that one, I think it's a pretty similar problem, which was music removal. But the issue here is music licensing because back mm-hmm. in the days where there was only broadcast, music licensing only covered uses of broadcast. It didn't cover things like streaming because streaming didn't exist. So when you go now to a level where you want to stream or you want to do an international release, if your music license didn't cover that use case, you have to go back to ground zero. And at this point, because Baywatch was a huge hit, a lot of those songs are so expensive to to relicense that it would actually have halted the project. So what we did for a couple of those songs is we went in and we removed the music um, in a bunch of the international languages. They had all the stems in the in the English language version, but they didn't for Italian, German. And so we went into those and and just removed that music so that they could then relicense um, alternative music to bring in there. Uh, That's interesting. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's a a really useful tool, especially now with streaming, like you said, and the the changing landscape of licensing. And I think that's why you hear now, you hear a lot of really close originals, you know, because they just don't want to license the original song pay the original artist, which is kind of a bummer, but Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I get it. And um, yeah, so that's how they must be using your tool to, to remove a lot of that original music and replace it with a version that's close. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Less expensive to license. That's cool. Wow. Yeah, that's so that's our professional services world. And then the other area that we work in is licensing. So we do have partners that have exclusive licenses to some of our algorithms. And we also are developing APIs. We have a couple SDKs and some ARMs for hardware integration. So if you want to just take that technology and then put it into your own product and vision, there's that branch of, of what we do. Can you, can you go into and reveal any, not maybe by name, by company name, but sort of um, application as to where that kind of AI is yeah. is is uniquely licensed in a certain way. Is there anything interesting besides some of the obvious stuff? Yeah, absolutely. One of our um, newest partnerships that launched uh, in January of this year is with a company called Stemit. And Stemit is working with record labels to take their back catalog and help them actually take advantage of exactly the scenario that you were talking about, where you said it's kind of a shame that people are drawn to going to these soundalikes mm-hmm. instead of working with the originals yeah. and therefore benefiting the people who created that original music. Right. So. Stemmit is working with these record labels to take their catalogs and then create stems and karaoke backing tracks through our AI to then sell. So it's a, a giant endeavor that they are taking under and they have an exclusive license in that space for record labels and publishers and music distributors to work with our more advanced algorithms. Wow, that's great. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, so when we we saw you last year, at uh, the Mix Sound for Film event, and you gave a really great demo there, where you you played some stuff, and then you know it it, it is like magic that you pull this stuff out. Was that I believe that was extracts? Was that extracts? Or am I mistaken on that? That's actually um, our it, professional services algorithms. It was so okay. I think the, in particular what we focused on there was the dialogue isolation and dialogue removal. So yeah, so dialogue removal is a really exciting service that we offer specifically yeah. because if you don't have an M and E and you want to go and you want to localize your content into other languages, you don't really have any options except for to work with something like this that will take the dialogue out so that then you can go in and 
add on top of it. Dialogue isolation is something which we've used in the past whenever we're doing upmixing. So I think probably the most famous use case is we worked on a 5.1 upmix of Psycho years back. Oh. And for that one, everything was mono. And we went in there and isolated the dialogue. We actually did also isolate the music, but it was something that they needed to do a true upmix into surround mm-hmm. sound. Wow. Yeah, that's really cool. There are so many applications for, like you said, like podcasting to uh, music remixes, you know, just pulling out stems and, and so you using could pull out, samples. You could pull out all my dialogue of this horrible pod, my version of this horrible podcast and, and just do <laughs> this guy. No, um, I could see how that's going to then kind of revolutionize the way that, like you said about localization for movies and television shows and create a better overall uh, final piece of content with with better dubbing and better, um, yeah, you know, um, foreign language, uh, versions will, will sound probably a lot better now, um, with this yeah. kind of technology, right? Yeah. Cause you used to just use, lose all of the audio, right. And then it would just be some weird, yeah, they would have to pop, sound effects yeah. put in and the, the days of dubbing, stuff, yeah. <laughs> the old Kung Fu movies with the dubs put in those, <laughs> you know, where the favorite. timing was way off. Oh, I think yeah. the days of that are, are over. I think it's because of, because of companies like yours. How, how, with all of this great technology, how do you stay on the cutting edge of audio technology? Well, I really have to give a lot of the credit there to our team in Paris. So I head up the Los Angeles team and we are the services, the sales, the marketing, the technical support, the engineering side, but everything in Paris is R&D. And those guys are, I mean, the brightest brains that, that are out there. And they go to conferences, they're constantly checking up on things, they're writing papers, they are the cutting edge of this technology, really. And then on our side, we just try to, as engineers, because most of our team is coming from an engineering background, stay in tune with the pulse of what's happening, you know, stay on top of new products that are coming out, testing them, seeing what's working, what's not working. And then as far as our consumer products, we just try to have a lifeline between our user base and us where those users can tell us what is and isn't working for them um, so that we're not in a vacuum just pretending like we know exactly what they want. <laughs> That's extremely important these days. You know, it's it's great to make a product that you want, but you have to sell it at the end of the day. So you have to make sure that your customers or would-be customers uh, that you're making something for them. So yeah, that's that's really important. How long does it take from a product on your on your side of things from development to to release? Because it seems like there's a lot of a lot of tech that goes into that. So what what's the typical roadmap for say one of your current products? Like the the length of time? Um, that's a great question. The true answer is that there is no standard um, because in a lot of ways you could say that we've been around as a company from a research phase since 2003. And a lot of what we have today wow. is built on the work and the research of those years in the past. So if you look sure. at it in one way, you can say it's taken us a decade. Um, but in particular, this latest version of Extract Stems is probably about two years out for that product. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it takes a good amount of time. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot that goes into those algorithms and it pays off in the end because, you know, people love your products. Well, thank you. Yeah. It's, it's a very rewarding place to be. I'm excited about it as an engineer. I think it's really cool to be in this industry. And as you mentioned, Dan, earlier, I may not have envisioned myself when I got into audio engineering that I would be here, but I'm very, very grateful that I am. I think it's an awesome place to be. And I, I'm fortunate to have a team of people behind me that are just badass. <laughs> Are you still uh, recording some of your own music as well? I am. I just moved into this loft apartment here. So I'm still kind of getting the home studio set up little by little. 
But, yep. but I love messing around at home. It's my favorite. And I think it's really important to keep curious when it comes to these things. Mm-hmm. As you become more an expert in a certain area, I think you need to kind of counterbalance it with that element of discovery and curiosity and to stay to stay wanting to learn and not feeling like you just need to know everything or that you do know everything. Yeah, that's yeah. just an illusion, let's be honest. Yeah, that is yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it, I think it's important to never be the smartest person in the room, right? Because you always need to be curious and learn something from somebody. Yeah, uh, I think that's super important. And when you start thinking you are the smartest person in the room, then that, that's a problem. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, Nobody that wants to be around end, you at that point, right? Well. It never ends well. <laughs> yeah, it must be nice though to work for a company that that is on the cutting edge and you know pushing innovation and providing a service that not in a technology that not too many people can, can do, I don't think successfully. I think yours is probably the best out there, isn't it? I mean, it, yeah. there have been some other companies that have dabbled in this kind of thing in the past, but it never sounded as good as this. Right. So yeah. um, that's pretty impressive. It'll be Thank interesting you. to see where you guys take this AI and, and what develops and comes out of it in the future. And what other industries you can go into with it? It's probably it's probably a lot of applications. Yeah. To to that point, um, without exposing too much, do you have any uh, insight into what the future looks like? Well, yeah, I, I can tell you that obviously our research team is thinking beyond the idea of separation because one of the things that's let me let me describe it this way. If you separate out tracks uh, and you have a song, the easiest example is, let's say we're just splitting a vocal and a backing track. If you separate out mm-hmm. that vocal, vo- lead vocals are very prominent in a mix. So when you separate mm-hmm. out that lead vocal, you're going to be leaving a pretty big hole. Um, and there's no way to get around that when it comes to math because you're just ripping this thing apart, this full mix. But obviously, if we're wanting to have a a great sounding backing track, we expect it to sound full even in those moments where there used to be a lot of vocal. So part of what I'm really excited about is the research of going beyond pure separation to also taking it to that next level of our perceived um, fullness and and, and some other kind of processing that might go beyond that. I'm really excited about that. I'm also really excited about partnerships and integrations. You know, we are a relatively small company and we've made it our mission to focus in on this problem right now and to offer this the best that's out there, as you guys have mentioned. Um, So we are excited about kind of getting this technology into, we think that there is a broad array of applications. I know for me personally here at home, when I'm uh, listening to certain movies on when I'm streaming here at home, uh, I'll notice that there's a different mix whenever you're watching on a a TV versus how they intended. Um, And a lot of times what suffers on home televisions, if you don't have a good home sound system, which I haven't because I've been uh, moving here, um, you basically lose the dialogue. Or if you you boost it up to a point where you can hear the dialogue well, the moment that the music comes in, you guys know, it blows your ears out. So I'm I'm excited about kind of getting this stuff out there and into areas where you could imagine to have a control on that where you can turn up your dialogue or, you know, turn Mm. down, get some independent control. Um, And through these key partnerships, like the one with Stemit, I'm really excited about that because I think that there is this area of the industry that can benefit both artists and and record labels off of this. And I think that people want that too. When they're looking for a karaoke track, you know, they're not looking for that karaoke track and they don't want to support those artists. They're doing it because they love that music. It just so happens that they can't find that karaoke track in a manner that allows you to support those artists. 
yeah, there's a handful out there that you, you just can't get the tracks. And, you know, when I, when I just, uh, bringing things full circle here, when I first graduated MI, I used to do this thing where I would put a Craigslist ad out, just hire me as an audio engineer for, I'll do anything for you. And I had this person that came to me that wanted a specific Van Halen track with the vocal taken out. And you remember Van Halen tracks, they have all of this reverb. So I was able to get with a simple plugin that I had back then. It was, it might've been a waves plugin or something like that. You know, it was just a, like a dialogue remover, which it did a good job of removing the dialogue from the center. But then there's all of this reverb and all of this other stuff. But you guys do a good job of removing all of that as well, like all of the the remnants of the vocal. So it's it's just gone. And at the end of the day, I never got paid for this because my client was never happy. Mm. She was she was never happy with what I had because, you know, I only had the tools available. This is, you know, 10 years ago. So, yeah. you know, that, that's great that now you're enabling people like me. If I decide to put out a Craigslist ad to do some audio engineering again, uh, you know, I could use something and actually help. Yeah. Oh, I, I love it too, because I'm here at home and as a musician, I'm, my, my gears are always turning. I'm like, well, okay, I can sit here and record at home. And even if I don't love the balance that I have live performing, you know, mm-hmm. I can actually go in and get ISOs of these in a live recording environment, which is really cool, That's cool. for a mixing purpose afterwards and, you know. I'm just always geeking out over the stuff. And one of my favorite things to do with extract stems is to pull songs in there, separate them out. And all of a sudden, the production of the track, I mean, it's incredible for educational purposes because you hear background harmonies you've never heard. You notice effects processing that they've had on it. You hear sometimes instruments that you never even heard. It's it's really fun just to dissect songs and, and look into them. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Just for the the fun of it, mm-hmm. if nothing else. That's great. Yeah. Ellie, is there anything that we have missed or anything else you would like to talk about? No, I just wanted to say thank you for having me on. It's been really nice chatting. Yeah, this is this has been incredible. We're going to look through some of your uh, catalog here and, you know, I'm, I'm excited. And it's super proud for me, for a, a teacher that I had in school, to be here talking to you about this great uh, journey that you've been on and this great product that you've been working with the whole time I've known you. So congratulations to you on all of that. Yeah, I think it's a company that's generated a lot of buzz and uh, in a positive way. So people are saying good things about it. So it's good. Thank you so much. And not only in music, you haven't pigeonholed yourselves just as a music company. You're an audio company that also, you know, you work in post-production and all kinds of different places. So congratulations on all of that. And yeah, best of luck for for the future. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Focusrite Pro Podcast. This mostly bi-monthly podcast is produced and hosted by me, Dan Hughley, for Focusrite. Music is by Merlin. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Join our conversation on social media at Focusrite Pro. For more information, please visit our website at www.pro.focusrite.com.